Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11, reads this way. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. How many of you brought a Bible, a phone with a Bible on it, iPad, everybody's got something good? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. What gifts did you give to the church? Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And what do they do? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ. Now notice what he says there. That we are to grow in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special works, it helps the other parts, what? Grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. On Sunday mornings, we have been talking about our, should be our goal for 2020, and that is simply to grow. We want to grow in 2020. Listen to this. Remaining, in, remaining neutral in life is not profitable. Remaining in neutral in life is not profitable. Nothing in life remains the same. Likewise, we cannot remain neutral, spirit, soul, or body. When we become indifferent and are not moving forward, in reality, we're going backward and we're setting ourselves up for destruction. Studies have shown, now, studies have shown that people who retire with the goal of doing nothing remain less healthy than they were when they were working. In fact, gerontologists now refer to the retirement years as the third age of your life. But rather than taking it easy, they say at that time it's time to cultivate interest and activities similar to those when you were working. Pastor Gary, you can't sit at home all day. And do nothing. I know that's what you thought. But I didn't tell you that was wrong. This gerontologist says, if you think that retirement, Pastor Gary, is the time to put your feet up and stay at home and watch TV, everything will go downhill. You need to exercise your mind and strengthen your body, says Carolyn Dean, director of the Nutritional Magnesium Association. Slowing down, listen to what it says, slowing down can lead to gradual functional decline. So gradual that you might not even notice it. Activities we take for granted 
from walking up a flight of stairs, babysitting your grandkids, or picking up something off the floor will become more difficult if we don't stay active. So in other words, stop telling me I paid my dues, I ain't doing nothing. You gonna, we're going to come to your funeral soon, according to Carolyn Dean. So if you want to live a long life, sign up here at the church for activity. I promise you, you'll live a lot longer than if you did sitting at home watching Jerry Springer. I promise you. The same holds true spiritually. If we're not intentional in our spiritual growth, we are setting ourselves up for a fall and don't even realize it until crisis comes. And crisis is going to come. It rains on the just and the unjust. Good people and bad people. Life hits them square in the face. In fact, let me prove it to you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verse number 24. Notice what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, if you hear God's word and do God's word, put it into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet the house did not fall because its foundation was upon the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice who just sits around and doesn't grow spiritually, is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. See, if we're not growing in every way, we are setting ourselves up for destruction when crises hits, and crises hits every one of our lives. Remaining in neutral in life is not profitable. Now, on Sunday mornings, we've looked at a, very, a couple of practical principles. Number one, growing and developing is a natural and normal process of life. Our children grow. Our animals grow. Uh, we want our income to grow. Uh, so growing and developing should be a natural and normal process of life. And then the second principle is this. Growth doesn't happen accidentally. For growth to occur in every area of your life, intentional actions are required on our part. Physically, to grow properly physically, we need to have proper nutrition and activity. To grow proper emotionally, we must have proper boundaries and influences. To grow proper financially, we've got to have proper stewardship. Listen, it doesn't make any difference how much you get paid. If you don't learn to steward what you get, you're going to be broke. And to grow spiritually, to grow spiritually, we must have proper instruction in God's Word and mature spiritual influencers in our life. So let's talk about the growing spiritually. The growing spiritually. The last two weeks, we've looked at growing spiritually or growing in our faith. And this is what I shared with us. The goal of Christianity is not just to get saved. See, a lot of people say, well, I got my friends saved, and that's really all I need to do. The goal of Christianity is not just to get saved, born again, or redeemed. That is not the goal. That is the beginning. The goal of Christianity is to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
in our spirit, soul, and body. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Look over at Romans chapter 8, verse number 29, the New Living Translation. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them. He chose them. Notice what he did. He, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to do what? Become like his son. See, the goal is not just to introduce people to Christ. The goal of Christianity is to cause people to become like Jesus Christ. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. I hear this often. People will say to me, well, I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. Well, the goal in our life is to be like Jesus. So if there's areas in your life or areas in my life that we're not resembling Jesus Christ, we should have a goal in 2020. 20 to become like Jesus in that area. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become his son. Now, our spiritual life and its growth resembles our physical life. Our spiritual life and its growth resembles our spiritual life. The Bible tells us this. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Notice what it says. Like newborn, what's that next word? Babies. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Notice the, the Bible says that when we first get saved, we're spiritual babies. And then go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. These are the gifts God Christ. Gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, that we will continue until we come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. That we, verse 14, that we will no longer be immature like children. So notice we are first called babies, spiritually, and then we're called children, and then he said um, that we will no, no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to ch- trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. So in those two sections of scriptures, the Bible calls Christians spiritual babies. The Bible calls Christians immature like children, and the Bible calls Christians mature like adults. So our spiritual growth mirrors our physical growth. We start out as babies, we become children, and then we grow up to be mature. And the Apostle Paul says we are to grow, we should have a grow, a goal to grow in every way like Christ. More and more like Christ. So, 2020. We just finished the first month of 2020. Can you believe that? Have you identified an area in your life spiritually that you need to work on? Have you identified an area in your life spiritually that you need to work on? I want to encourage you to have a goal this year to grow in that area. Because I promise you, your weak link is where Satan's going to hit you in 2020. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. Now, a moment ago, I shared this principle with you. That spiritual growth occurs 
when we have proper instruction in God's Word and mature spiritual influences in our life. Let's put it down here where we live. You and I will grow spiritually when we're having a proper diet of God's Word in our life and we have godly people around us. Spiritual growth occurs when you have a proper diet of God's Word and godly people around us. Number one, having a proper instruction of God's Word. Let me share this with you. I've said it to you before, and I think a lot of times people don't believe it or they don't catch it. Our love for the Word of God runs parallel with our love for God. I hear a lot of people all the time. It's normal to hear people say they love God. Oh, I love God. I see their bumper stickers. Jesus is Lord. I love God. But you ask those last those same people, well, what what Bible in the uh, what book in the Bible are you reading this month? They don't read anything. They don't have a devotional time. They can't tell you the last time they read the Word of God. They don't have anything consistent in which they sit down on a continual basis, two or three or four times a week, and have a devotion where they read some scriptures, they read the Word of God, or they read a devotional. Yet they say they love God. Saints, listen. Our love for God runs parallel with our love for His Word. You can't say, I love God, and not love His Word. Listen to John chapter 14, verse number 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Jesus says, if you have my commandment, you have them, you embrace them, they live in you, you know them, and you keep them, you do them, you are the one who loves me. We live in a society today that, well, it's just about love. It's about love. It's, well, I love God. I love God. You don't love God if you don't, are not doing His Word. You don't love God if you don't study. You, you love an image of God. You love a theory of God, but you don't have a love relationship with God. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is He who loves me. And then it says, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, verse 22, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Jesus said, I didn't say, Jesus says, your love for me runs parallel and mirrors your love for my word. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Our love for the word of God, our love for the word of God is the barometer of our love for God. We can't love God any more than we love his word. That's what the Bible says. Now, I know that's hard. Oh, I never heard I love God. You tell me I don't love God. Well, you don't love Him like you should if you don't read your Bible. Oh, you're kidding. I didn't say it. Tell Him. He's the one that said it. That's why Bible study is so important. You say, well, well I, you know, I just don't understand it. Listen, if you love Him, you'll, you'll learn to understand it. Now, here's the second key is equally important, but often overlooked. 
You've got to have, to grow spiritually, we must have mature spiritual influencers in our life. For a person to achieve a healthy physical growth, it takes the care and attention of people, of others. My children, Tyler and Casey, my children would have never grown into strong, spiritual, or healthy adults had we not intentionally, Manda and I, helped them in the growth process. Proper nutrition, proper rest, proper exercise, preventive medical treatment, proper vaccinations, help them grow my children into physical maturity. I have one now that's, how old is Tyler? 34. And I have a daughter that's uh, not yet 30. As babies and as children, they didn't instigate any of these disciplines on their own. Our children never came to us and said, I need my broccoli today for my proper nutritional intake. If I'd left it up to them, they would have had ice cream every meal. They never came to us at night and said, remind me at 8.30, I need to get in bed so I can get proper rest, so I can grow physically. No, they fought it every night. How many of you parents know what a, you do every kind of deal to get them to lay down and go to sleep? Never, never at any time did any one of my children come and say, I was looking at my calendar, and it's my time of the year for my physical, uh, my physical, my annual physical. Make me an appointment with the doctor. I, they never did that. We as parents monitored and looked after them. We kept an eye on what they ate and the rest they received. We made sure they had annual medical physicals. Why? Because babies and children cannot grow properly without assistance. How many know what I'm talking about is the truth? Likewise, spiritual growth cannot be achieved without assistance. They couldn't grow physically without assistance. And we can't grow spiritually without assistance. That's why so many Christians never reach spiritual maturity. It's because we, the spiritual adults, don't make an interest in helping them to grow up. We would be considered unfit parents if we had children in our home and we didn't make sure they get good food, good rest, good exercise, good education. They would call the Department of Children's Services on us. And they would take our children away. And that's the reason so many churches are not growing today and people are leaving by the thousands. is because you've got the spiritual adults taking all the bottles. And there's no place or no food for the babies to grow. This thing is not rocket science. It's not rocket science. We know that witnessing into the, to the unsaved and getting them saved is important. Look at Matthew, or Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Notice what it says. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. In the church, we have rightly emphasized witnessing and evangelism. Getting people to Jesus Christ. And we need to emphasize that. And we need to do more of that. 
But when a newborn baby comes into the world and we ooh and ah, we rejoice with the parents. We want to see the baby. We want to touch the baby. We want to hold the baby. But after we do that, the parents and the friends and family just don't walk away and leave the baby at the hospital expecting it to grow on its own. But unfortunately, that's the experience of a lot of most baby Christians. A friend or family member witnesses to them. A friend or family member gives them some tracts or encourages them or invites them to come to church and might even invite them to sit with them and, and they pray for them. And, and all of a sudden that person feels the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They ask Jesus to come into their heart. They're redeemed. They're born again. And then we feel like as mature Christians, we're just supposed to step away. Well, we did our job. They got saved. That's like birth a baby at the hospital and turn around and walking away and leaving it. The discipleship process, the discipleship growth process begins immediately following the born-again experience. And just as an infant cannot grow physically without assistance, a baby Christian cannot grow spiritually without assistance. That's the reason so many people start their life of faith with celebration and excitement, but never reach a level of spiritual maturity. It's because the body of Christ has forfeited its responsibility to help them grow in faith. Do you know, every one of us in this room that are born again, we have a responsibility to help disciple somebody in their faith. Don't be marching against abortion clinics if you're not involved in discipling a spiritual baby in their life of faith. Hear me? I'm all against abortion, but I'm also against aborting spiritual babies who started out with Christ but had nobody to lead them and direct them and help them transform into mature adults. For some reason, we think if we get saved in America, in the American church, we get saved, we get people saved, and then all of a sudden we get them saved, we witness to them about Jesus, we get them saved, and then we turn the attention back on us. Back on us. Well, I don't like the music. I don't like the way they did it. I don't like the time they're having service. I don't like what he said. See, we turn all that attention back on us. And our attention as mature adults, spiritual adults, is to be upon the babies. And help them grow. Because nobody can grow spiritually unless they have a proper intake of God's Word and they have proper mature spiritual influences around their life. I hear it continually. I can go to heaven without going to church. And that is accurate. You don't have to go to church to get into heaven. But you can't enjoy a healthy, growing spiritual life without being a part of a local body of believers. I am thrilled about the worship revival. Thousands and thousands of people will go down to the Bridgestone uh, Arena for a worship concert. It's wonderful. It's great. I love the music. I think it's dynamic. It introduces people to the presence of God. But if your spiritual growth is limited to an introduction only, we will never truly experience the joy of intimate friendship.
Being a part of a healthy church family enables us to grow beyond being an acquaintance with God to becoming friends with God. Mature spiritual influencers. That's, and listen to this. Why is it so important to have mature spiritual influencers around us? Because mature spiritual influencers have authority in prayer to move me forward in my spiritual growth. I, and I don't say this boastedly because I'm nothing, but I haven't come to a place where I am in Christ by myself. People have been praying for me since I was a born a baby. There's not a day that goes by that my mama doesn't pray for me. There's not a day that goes by that my wife does not pray for me. Now, sometimes she prays various things for me. And, uh, and she says prayer is prayer, but... But I thank God for a mama's prayer on those days. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Let me show you something. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul's talking to Christians at Galatia. He had founded this church. He had gone to that region in Thessalonica and and, and Galatia. He had gone to that region and he had preached the gospel and people got saved. He witnessed to them and and people got saved. So he, he brought them in. He birthed babies. He birthed spiritual babies because of his ministry. And then he says, he writes back to them in Galatians 4, 19. He says, my little children... I, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now, he'd already got them saved. Notice what he says. My little children of whom I travail in birth again. In other words, he had already got them saved. He's writing to churches throughout Galatia. Paul had started these churches on a previous missionary journey. People by the dozens were getting saved. They were getting healed. They were getting delivered and set free. And a few years later, Paul writes back to them about walking out their faith by grace because somebody had come in and said, no, it's the works of the law, it's not by grace. And he said, that's not true. He says, it's by grace, it's not the Judaism works of the law. And he makes an amazing statement. He says, my little children, I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Paul is praying, he's interceding, he's travailing for these people that they will grow up in their faith. He's, tr- he's praying. He's interceding. See, mature spiritual influencers around your life and my life have authority in prayer to move you forward. That's why you just don't hang out with anybody. You and I cannot grow spiritually if all we hang out with is people at the bar. 
Well, Jesus went to the bar. I hear that all the time. Well, Jesus went to the bar. Yeah, but he hung out with the disciples more than he hung out with people at the bar. He visited the bar to get the people in the bar saved and born again. But he didn't hang out there. See, we, we, want, we want it all. We want a party with the party crowd, but then we want to be spiritual with the spiritual crowd. And you can't do both. Now, don't get mad at me and don't go to New Vision now because I preach this. <laughs> Jesus told Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. We talk about people being converted, but that's our word. That wasn't Jesus' word. He didn't use the word conversion. He talks about new birth. And the picture here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, is a woman having a baby. And you can't have a child, a, have a birth without a woman having travail. The pain of childbirth. And we see this word used with the nation of Israel. Turn to, turn to Psalm chapter, or Isaiah chapter 66. Turn real quickly to Isaiah chapter 66. Look at Isaiah chapter 66, verse number 8. Notice what it says. This is a prophecy about the land of Israel. This is a prophecy. Notice what it says. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. In May of 1948, the nation of Israel, which had tried to be wiped off the face of the earth by Hitler, they had gone through travail. No nation, no group of people has suffered like the nation of Israel. No group of people have gone through the pain and heartbreak and destruction influences against them like the people of Israel, like the Jews. And the Bible says that uh, after Zion travailed, after they went through their pain and suffering, she brought forth her children. That's talking about the nation of Israel, literally, but it also has a spiritual application for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the prophet said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear for heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. See, Spiritual influencers have power and authority in prayer to move you forward. But it takes somebody loving people enough to travail in prayer for them. This is not a casual, God bless them and go on down the road. This is a travailing. As soon as Israel travailed, she brought forth her children. Paul said, I travail in birth in, in, for you again in prayer so that Christ can be formed in you. See, we pray for people all the time to get saved. But then after they get saved, we think our job's over. Paul said, no, no, you've got to keep praying that Christ will be formed in them.
The best thing you can do for your son, your daughter, your grandchildren, parent, grandparent, is pray every day that Christ will be formed in them. Christ will be formed in them. In 1857, America went through its worst depression prior to the Great Depression of the early 20th century. Millions of Americans were without work and seemingly without hope. Things were especially bad in big cities. Jeremiah Lanfear was a lay missionary who worked for the Dutch, North Dutch Reformed Church in New York City. In September of 1857, Lanfear invited businessmen from all over New York to come to North Dutch Church for one hour during their prayer break every Wednesday to do nothing but pray for revival. By January 1858, similar prayer meetings were being held at churches all over New York City. Some churches were even hosting daily prayer meetings during their lunch hour. The New York prayer meetings inspired similar prayer movements in other cities like Philadelphia and Cincinnati and Charleston, South Carolina. By the time the revival ebbed in the fall of 1858, around one million Americans had converted and joined churches. Almost all of them lived in big cities. Then between 1859 and 1861, the prayer revival spread to the British Isles where it is estimated another one million people were converted. Because of the rise of the modern missions movement in the previous generation, the prayer revival also spread to parts of Africa, the Pacific Islands, and the East Indies. It was a global revival started by a lay minister who just had a heart to pray for his city. Get this. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody and Hudson Taylor, the pioneer missionary to China, each began their ministries during this prayer revival. As Zion, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be born in you. Paul said it of one of his assistants in Colossians chapter 4. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. How much of our prayer time do we spend praying for others to grow in their faith? We pray about our financial woes. We pray about our problems. We pray about our physical sickness. We spend a lot of time praying for us. But how much of our prayer time as mature spiritual believers do we spend travailing and praying for others to grow in their faith? Uh, I, I just tell you what happened to me. 1983, I was 25, and Amanda was uh, 22. And this little church in all good Tennessee said, you know, we're looking for a pastor. They're getting ready to shut the church down. You want to come? That was it. You want to come? They weren't looking for credentials. Who wanted to go there? It wasn't like they had a bunch of different people to choose from. And we said, yeah, we'll come. We'll give it a try. It was so bad there, the banker would call me every Monday morning. 
He didn't call me because he loved me. He called me wanting to know what the church offering was. Listen, when the banker calls wanting to know what the offering is, you know things are probably not the best. One lady came up to me a week after I'd been there and said, I've had a vision of our church. And I'm thinking, whoa, glory to God, God's speaking. I said, great, what is it? She said, I saw chains on the door. They locked it down. As a 25-year-old, that's not the word of the Lord you're wanting to hear. All I knew, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. I don't know the things that I teach you today. I didn't know them then. I was 25, just knew I loved Jesus and wanted to help somebody, but I didn't know nothing. All I knew to do is pray. You know why I knew to pray? Because every time we would, growing up, our family would have a problem, Granny would always say, well, let's just get in here and pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know about the prayer of faith. I didn't know about the prayer of agreement. I didn't know about intercessory prayer. I didn't know about the prayer of of surrender. I didn't know about the consecration prayer. I didn't know much about praying in tongues. I I didn't know nothing that I've been able to teach you Today, these years, I, don't, I didn't know anything about All I just knew was to do was to pray. And at 5 o'clock every morning, I would take my overcoat in the winter and a blanket, and I would go to that little building because we didn't have the money to turn the electricity, the heat on during the week. And I would lay in that sanctuary at 5 o'clock because Amanda had to be at work at 7 And we only had one vehicle, so I would go at 5 and pray from 5 to 6.30, go back and pick her up and take her to work. And I would go and lay down in that sanctuary floor, and I would just pray. You know what my prayer was? Oh, God! We're going to starve! We're going under! The bank's calling! The lady had a vision. The chains are rattling. Honestly, I'd get on that floor and just weep. Weep. Cry. Oh, God. I didn't know what else to do. I was doing what I thought I was supposed to. I didn't know what else to do. I'm up here. I don't know what to do. I don't know nobody. We don't have no money. And I'd just get on the floor and just cry. And weep and call out to God. But over the next several months, all of a sudden, in my prayer time, something would start welling up in me. And I'd start praying out things that I was never heard, never heard or never taught. And all of a sudden, out of me, there would come a groaning. Oh, God. Satan's not going to take this church. Satan's not going to close this thing down. You are the God of more than enough. And I'd call every Bible character I could think of. You did it for David. You did it for Joseph. You did it for Samuel. You did it for Daniel and the lions did. And just a groaning. A groaning. And sometimes I'd get to praying and it wouldn't be in English. And groans and praying in tongues would come out of me. And then over a period of months, things started breaking. Changes started taking place. People started coming in to that church, became the largest church in the whole county. 
And it wasn't because of my smarts, because I didn't know nothing. It wasn't because of my intellect, because I didn't have it. It wasn't because I was connected to a big family in the church, because we were airdropped in there and didn't know nobody. It was just simply because Christ was being formed through travail. See, when you pray for people to be conformed to the image of Christ, you are moving them spiritually toward maturity. We can send them to a conference. We can send them to a class. We can enroll them in this training. And all of that's wonderful and great. But it doesn't take the place of travailing in birth in prayer till Christ is formed. Who are you travailing for? Who are you travailing for? Who has God put upon your heart that they, God says they are immature in their faith? You might be frustrated with them. Other people are frustrated with them. They're fed up with them. They just need somebody because they're nothing but a baby. They can't do it on their own. They can't grow on their own. They just need somebody to pray and travail and intercede for them that they'll grow up spiritually. Who is on your radar? Many of our children and many of our grandchildren and many of our friends that used to sit by us in church are no longer in church. They're not in church today. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because they don't love God. It's because somebody didn't pray them through to grow up. And Satan took advantage of their immaturity and their youth. Growing spiritually. You need the instruction in God's Word, and you need proper spiritual influencers around your life. Stand with me, would you? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've been thinking about it, Something's been stirring you. It's time to get your life right. It's time to get your life right. And you're just going to be courageous today and you're going to make that step. And you're going to pray and you're going to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Right now. You're going to do it right now. You've been thinking about it. You've been, people have been talking to you about it. You lay down at night to go to bed and it pops in your mind. And today's... You say, I'm going to to be courageous today and I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I'm going to pray with the pastor when he asked who wants to pray. And that's me. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray with you right now. I'm looking. Anybody in this middle section? I'm going to pray right now. Anybody? I need Christ. I've been thinking about it and I want to accept Christ. Anybody here on this section over here? Over here on this side. Anybody? I'm ready to pray. Anybody here? I've come today and I don't know Christ. I'm ready to pray. Anybody here? All right, anybody over here? I'm ready to pray. Anybody here? All right, I'm assuming then that everybody here knows Christ. Then I want anybody here got somebody that's popped in your mind that's immature in their faith, and you're going to pray for them this week. Raise your hand. Anybody over here? Anybody here? Okay, all right. All right, let's help people grow. If we're not have people bringing people, we can help people grow in their faith. Amen.